Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, we're continuing Love Month with Pastor's message, Love Your Neighbor. I want to talk to you today. Last week, we talked and communicated the message, Love God. Today, I want to talk to you very simply about Love Your Neighbor. The title of my message is Love Your Neighbor Today, and last week we reminded that uh, our love for God actually originates from God himself because God is love. See, if we're going to love God, we have to actually understand that it, it actually originates from him, and, and we surmised or concluded, if you please, that a person will not and cannot love God unless they have Uh, a right knowledge or know or they know God and so we talked about the outward expressions of worshiping and praising God the outward expression of putting him first the outward expression of hungering and thirsting after his righteousness after his word after um, his grace would not and will not happen unless we actually know uh, and have a relationship with God and so this morning I want to start by saying this, if I stated to you this morning that you and I could possibly see the face of God this morning, would that be something you would be interested in? If I said, hey, would you like to see the face of God this morning, would that be something you would be interested in? Now, some of you have probably already figured out in your mind that in John chapter 1, verse number 18, and then If we were to look over into 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible tells us that no man has seen God at any time. And so you say, heresy! What are you talking about? Well, I believe that we could possibly today, if you'll travel along with me, I believe that we could possibly just catch a small glimpse in our mind's eye of the face of God this morning. Look with me in Mark chapter 12. And I want to zero right in. Look at verse number 30, and then we'll look at verse 31. And the Bible says in verse 30, Jesus answering that scribe says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, There is none other commandment greater than these. And right away, I want you to notice in verse number 31, notice what it says there. It says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And what we see here again is that Greek word that we talked about last week in verse number 30. Notice the word love is the Greek word. You may recall it is the Greek word agapao. Agapao. Yeah, you say that three times, uh, it may cause you to sneeze. And what it means is to totally or completely give ourselves over to something. Now, if you remember in verse 30 from last week, Jesus has already given us the command, agapao. And what does he say in verse 30? He says, you, as my followers, need to give yourself over completely to loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul with all of your mind with all of your strength he says you need to give yourself completely 100 percent lock stock and barrel over to this first commandment of loving God and so we see that 
First place is to be reserved and given to God Almighty, and rightly so. But in verse 31, I think it's interesting, you know, the scribe asked him, what is the, the greatest commandment, what's the first commandment? He doesn't ask for a second. Isn't that like us sometimes? We, we go to the Lord in prayer, and we have a very specific prayer request. We're like, oh, God, I need you to do this. And God says, well, I got news for you. I'm going to do this. And you're like, well, I didn't ask for that. This is what's happening with the scribe. The scribe asks our Lord, notice the scribe says in verse 28, and one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? He doesn't ask anything about the second commandment, but what we find in verse 31 is even though he didn't ask it, Jesus expounds a little bit further with his instructions concerning our treatment of others. And if you're an Old Testament buff, you'll know that he is actually referencing a, a, a principle that was taught in Leviticus chapter 19, and you can find that in verse number 18, when he says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And really, when we think about these two commandments from our Lord, really, they're so simple. They're so simple that a child, a a child can understand them, and they're very succinct, they're very brief in such that all of us can remember. You know, I don't think that anybody here would have a problem walking out these doors and remembering the greatest commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, and with all of thy strength. And the second one is to love thy neighbor as thyself. In other words, Jesus was saying, love God and love others. That was it. That that was it. And he goes on from there. And here's something else. You know, it's so comprehensive when I think of these two short, brief commandments of our Lord. They're so comprehensive that they can be applied in every possible situation of life. You run into somebody that Walmart that rubs your fur the wrong way, instead of just turning that cat around, how about exercising some godly love towards that person? You run somebody on I-66 who you'd like to give a piece of your mind to, how about agapao? How about exercising some agapao towards that person? Understanding that you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We are his representatives, are we not? As children of God, it is important for us to understand these principles. And really another important factor about this idea of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself is this. The command comes from God himself. Therefore, you and I can have great assurance that it ain't about to change. The answer that he gave the scribe way, 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 way back then is the same answer he gives you and I today, which is love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And then he says, the second is like unto it. Well, I didn't ask for the second, Lord. Guess what? You're getting it anyway. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, what a difficult teaching. But as believers, our Lord's words are to be our compass. They're to be our barometer, if you please, in life. I think about before I knew Jesus Christ. You know, before I knew Jesus and before anybody knows Jesus Christ, his words are meaningless. In fact, many cases rejected completely altogether. 
But after, but after a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, as the Lord of their life, His words are to direct us and they also are to help gauge us along this journey called life. Look at the last part of verse 31. Notice what our Lord says. He says, there is none other commandment greater than these. I was looking at some commentaries this week, and I like what Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown in their commentary of, of the entire Bible, they wrote these words. They say, this is all, this, they're referencing what Jesus was saying here, and, and what they suggest is that what he was actually saying is that this is all Scripture in a nutshell, the whole law of human duty in a portable pocket form. I'd suggest that's pretty neat for us today because isn't that the society we live in? Now, I don't carry my phone on the pulpit, but it's sitting right back there on my desk. We carry everything. We make our schedules on this little portable device. If that portable device goes awry, we're in trouble. We, we embed gigs and gigs and mega gigs and everything. I don't even know. I don't even know what we put on there, but we put music on there, don't we? We put podcasts on there. By the way, you can check Pastor Greg out on a podcast. Hey, we put all those things out, right? And if our phone goes down, we're in trouble. What Jesus was saying, they're suggesting that he said all Scripture. This is all Scripture in the nutshell. This is a portable pocket device. Love God and love others. That's something that you can take with you, and you don't need to carry the rest of God's Word with you. If we would just... Be good at loving God and loving people. I think about Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse number 12. It, it's referred to many times as the golden rule. You see it up here. Notice what, notice what the Bible says. Therefore, all things whosoever, uh, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The golden rule, in other words, is this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And yet I wonder how good we're doing at that you see our vertical relationship with God should be and will be evidenced by our horizontal relationships with people however I don't want to discourage you today but I want to be real with you loving your neighbor loving our neighbors loving others will not be without its struggle you see, because before Jesus came in, I was still covered with flesh. And after Jesus came in, I'm still covered with flesh. So we have a problem. We have a selfishness problem. We have a sinfulness problem. And we have a problem with that dude who walks about seeking whom he may devour. His name is Satan. And so it'll be a problem to love your neighbor. Because guess what? Just in the moment of time that you think, man, I'm going to do something good for my neighbor. Self will come up and say, you're so tired. You ought to lay down and take thine ease. Just when you get ready to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, that little dirty bird, the devil, he'll put something in your mind and you'll make a decision that is contrary to Scripture. And you'll be trying to figure out what is going on. Folks, there's a battle raging. We are in a war. In the nicest sense of senses, we are in a war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. 1 John chapter 2 tells us that. And so we have to be wise as serpents 
as the scripture says, but harmless as doves. Oh yes, loving our neighbor will not be without its struggles. Years ago, the theologian, he's gone on to glory, but theologian Carl Henry pointed out, this is amazing that he said this years ago, he pointed out that our primary problem is that we still struggle today when he said this. He said, what we are witnessing today is that our human existence deliberately and routinely has collapsed into a me-first philosophy. Me first in work, me first in play, me first in the home, me first in worship, and quite frankly, he said, me first in all dimensions of life. But folks, I'm here to tell you, I appreciate what the theologian said, but I'm here to tell you, if our relationship with Jesus Christ is a real relationship, it is naturally going to overflow to that second commandment that he gave because Jesus' second commandment actually builds upon the first. You cannot move to the second without observing the first. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, if you have your scripture. 1 John chapter 4. See, see what the Bible has to say for us here in 1 John chapter 4. Would you there say amen? Okay, notice, go down, scroll down or look down on your page there and find verse number 7. It's already on the screen, okay. The Bible says this, Beloved, let us love one another. Let's just stop and marinate on that for a little bit. Think about that. Beloved, let us love one another. I don't know about you, but we're in dire need of some love. All you have to do is turn on the radio. Hatred and venom on the radio. Don't even dare think about turning on the news. Hatred and venom and visceral attitudes. On, on both sides of that crazy political aisle. We need love. The Bible says, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And verse number 8, the Bible says, he that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is what? Say that with me. God is, say that word again. God is Man, I think we've gotten to the point where we're afraid of saying it. Men don't say it because they feel like they'll be looked at as a little mamby-pamby man. Guess what, guys? It's time we stood up and loved our families. It's time we stood up and, and led our families in such a way that we were willing to share the truth in love with our families. It's time that we go to the workplace and stand up in love and be willing to stand for what's right biblically. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary for me. And he went to the cross of Calvary for you. If we really love him, why not act as though we do? Now, I find two, yet, two simple yet very significant thoughts here in just these two verses. Notice verse number 7. In verse number 7, loving others, the Bible indicates, it says, loving others indicates that we actually have been born of and actually know God. And then if you look at verse number 8, not loving others indicates that we don't even know God. You see, while loving God and loving our neighbor may, may be separate thoughts, they are inextricably tied together. You cannot have one without the other. 
That's why when you came in the sanctuary, it says loving God, loving God's word, and loving people. When I came back in 2012, I thought, man, we need to do a better job of loving God. We need to do a better job of loving his word. We need to do a better job of loving people. And that's what we're talking about today, is loving people. And as I said, it's going to be a struggle. (laughs) Believe me, I'm guilty. If you're not guilty, I am. See, I'm guilty of going into the marketplace, and I see that person that rubs me the wrong way. That person, Pastor, I have a little problem with you. I'm like, oh, let me go this way. (laughs) Got a problem with me. Talk to my wife. Talk to my wife. She's head of the problem department. (laughs) No. (laughs) Don't we do that, though? Listen, we're going to struggle with this idea of love. There's no doubt. Because we're covered with flesh. We just are. Listen, but love is part of the fruit that is embedded in our lives once the Holy Spirit takes up residency. The fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first thing it says? The first thing in that list that identifies the fruit, singular fruit, is what? Love. Oh, my friends. Jesus said that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And as I've been saying, let's be honest, we're all pretty good at loving ourselves. Uh, uh, We're to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we're pretty good at loving ourselves, even those who struggle with low self-esteem. And and listen, I've counseled and and had friends, and I've even struggled with that before. Even people who struggle with low self-esteem find ways to love themselves. I mean, think about it. When we get hungry, we tend to find food. When we get thirsty, we tend to find something to drink. And when we get sick, we tend to whine and complain. And then we go see the doctor. That's exactly what we do. We're good at meeting our own needs. We're good at finding out what works for us. Listen, when it comes to me, myself, and I, everything's okay. But when it comes to others, the Lord demands that we love them as well. However, we must be careful because the love that we usually exercise towards ourselves is sinful. You see, we have to be careful. You say, well, Jesus said love your neighbor as yourself. So I guess that means I need to go meet all their needs like I'm meeting my needs. Not what he said. Not what he said. He said that we're to give ourselves over to something completely holy. But it's to be a biblical love. It's not to be a selfish love. Listen, we're often selfish and sinful when it comes to loving ourselves. Our love for self can be also not only selfish and sinful, it can quite frankly be unreasonable at times. I counsel couples. And I tell them when they, when they get married or even if I'm counseling at a certain time and they say, I just am ready to throw in the towel because uh, things aren't going well. I say, well, what's, what, what seems to be the problem? Do you love her? Do you love him? Yes, yes, yes. Then praise the Lord. Uh, you know, it's all good. No, 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 it's not all good because you see, he's not meeting my needs and she's not meeting my needs. Well, maybe your needs and maybe his needs are unreasonable. You see, there are unrealistic my wife's smiling there are unrealistic expectations that sometimes we come up with for our spouses and our children there are 
reasonable expectations that we can have in a biblical sense, but there are some unreasonable things as well. And so we have to be very careful. Saying that we love someone is much easier than actually doing it, isn't it? It's like, oh yeah, brother, I love my neighbor. But for you people who like to make tweets, let me give you something you can tweet. Here it is. A profession of love without a demonstration of love is empty. A profession of love without a demonstration of love is empty. You see, as a verb, love must be an active experience. It's not a noun in this sense. It's a verb. It must be an active experience. A love for God acts by showing and demonstrating itself. It's foolish for me or you or anyone else to say that we love someone or something and then do absolutely nothing. Notice with me a couple of passages that I'll be honest with you. They've actually hurt. They have actually hurt this week as I have read. And so they may sting you a little bit. But I want you to know that I have a responsibility to share truth with us, right? This is what the Bible says. Notice what it says in James chapter 2, verse 15 and following. It says, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Look with me, and they'll show you on the screen, 1 John chapter 3, in verse 15 and following. The Bible says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we or know the love of God because he laid down his life for us and, notice the word and, it continues on, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother hath need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Listen, this is exactly how our Lord loved. He, when he was thinking of me, he took action. Before the foundation of the world, he took action, knowing that one day I would need a savior. When he thought of you, he took action. He put his love into action. That's why Romans 5 in verse number 8 says, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth means he proved it. He actually was active with his love. I think about 1965, Hal David and Burt Bacharach, some great songwriters of yesteryear, they wrote that song, What the world needs now. Oh, some of y'all just told me how old you are. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Folks, it's still needed today. And if you look at the lyrics of that song, Dionne Warwick made it popular. And if you look at the lyrics of that song, she says, Lord, we don't need another mountain. We got enough mountains. Lord, we don't need another range. We don't need another sunset. We don't need all those things. What we need, Lord, is love. We need people to stand up and do right according to your word. 
And guys, when I say that the world needs more love, I'm not talking about the mushy-gushy kind of love that the world talks about. I'm talking about a biblically-based God love that our Lord and Savior was talking about. Just think how our lives, just think with me a second, think how our lives, how our church, how our community, how our country, how this world would be different if the love of God and the love of others was being lived out day by day in the lives of Christ followers. A verb, as a verb, love must be an active experience. Also, the primary thing our Lord wants from us is twofold. The two things he wants were for us to love God and to love others. This is not just the doing of religious things, by the way, because sometimes if we do a lot of stuff, we're like, well, look, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and meanwhile, while we're saying that, we're puffing ourselves up. We're getting all puffed up, and what happens is we tend, we tend many times to get so puffed up that it makes us feel better. It makes me feel better to think, man, look at all the things I'm doing for the Lord. That's not why we do it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. It causes us, it compels us to do things based on his love, not based on some type of, uh, uh, of greedy sense of what I want uh, out of that love or to kind of make myself feel better or puffed up. But I tell you, uh, living out our love for God by sharing that same love with our neighbors is what's going to make a difference in their lives. And if we're going to do this, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us energy. It's going to cost us effort. It's going to cost us expense. And we don't even have time to go there. But I would encourage you to go to Luke chapter 10 and read, beginning in verse number 25, all the way through verse 37, that story, that parable of the Good Samaritan. You see, when the Samaritan loved, he loved completely. It cost him. It cost him energy, effort, and expense. Listen, you know, to love our neighbor, we might have to eat some of that stuff called humble pie. See, because I know what you're saying. You're saying the same thing that I'm saying. Pastor, I haven't done a real good job of loving my neighbor. And I'm talking about my neighbor that lives next to me right now. I haven't done a real good job. And I've been living next to that guy or that woman or that family for 20 years. You might have to eat some humble pie. It might be good if you took a hot apple pie with you and said, you know what? I'm so sorry. I'm ashamed of myself that I haven't been over here before now to encourage you. Do you know, I found out one of the things I'm going to do probably this afternoon. I looked over at my neighbor's yard they have little babies and all that stuff going on. I looked over and he had about eight huge piles of leaves that are killing the grass underneath. I thought maybe it'd be a nice thing if I went over and I finished raking up those puppies for him while he and his wife who just had a baby could care for their little children. I don't know. Find something. Something that you can do that will open up the door for you to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who may have never heard. This is, we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. Listen, we may have to eat some humble pie and even seek forgiveness from some neighbors. And I guarantee you, it's no doubt going to cost us, to, it's, it's going to require us, uh, sorry, to sacrifice as well. 
A few parting thoughts for you. To love our neighbor is a command. It's not an option. Jesus didn't say, if you think about doing this, it's a command, not an option. If it's not obeyed, I can guarantee you God is displeased. To love our neighbor is a command. It's not an option. If we don't do it, God is displeased. Number two, to love our neighbor arouses the question, who is my neighbor? I was referencing the parable of the Good Samaritan where Jesus teaches us about the one good neighbor is the one who shows mercy to the one who is in need of mercy. And last time I checked, since every one of us are in need of mercy, by implication, who is our neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. It doesn't matter a person's status, a condition, a circumstance. It does not matter. Everyone, everyone is in need of God's mercy. Therefore, everyone is our neighbor. To love our neighbor is also a practical command. I would encourage you to do a personal study. Excuse me. I would encourage you to do a personal study of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 on the practicality of our love. In 1 John, and I close here, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 20 and 21, the Bible says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. Now think of that. Notice it again. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. You can close your Bibles. Uh, a few weeks ago, I want to conclude with a, something that took place in my life a few weeks ago. I, was, I happened to walk in the house after a day of work and flipped on uh, the idiot box, as many times it's referred to, and uh, on the TV... I happened to see the very end of, of a movie that was based on Victor Hugo's French historic uh, novel from the 1860s. Um, this, this novel was initially turned into a musical and then later became a movie. Uh, and the book, the novel, the musical, and the movie, they're all entitled Les Mis. Anybody ever seen Les Miserables? If you're unfamiliar with the story, the novel follows the struggles of an ex-con. And the ex-con's name is Jean Valjean. My French is not great, so you'll have to pardon, uh, pardon me this morning. But the, but the musical, the novel takes place, Jean Valjean is, at the beginning, is being released from prison where he has served 19 years for stealing bread for his sister who is starving and her family. And if you know the musical, Valjean is angry with society. He is given this yellow card, so to speak. He is paroled, but it's under this auspice that he cannot go but certain places. He's on parole, if you please. And uh, he's taken in. He's taken in, quite frankly, by this man who portrays the role of Bishop Muriel. Bishop Muriel takes Valjean in, and Valjean repays him. Because at this point, he's angry and disgruntled. He repays the bishop by stealing his silverware. He takes off with the silverware. The police catch Valjean. And the police bring him to the bishop. 
And the bishop denies that Valjean has stolen anything. In fact, in that moment, he says, hey, you forgot the silver candlesticks that go with the silverware. The police accept the excuse and they go to Valjean and, and, the, and the priest goes to Valjean and says, God has spared you on this day. From this point on, you make the most out of your life. Fast forward the long story, Valjean becomes a businessman, actually becomes the mayor of a town. All the while, he is on the run because he has broken his parole. He understands the police are after him, and he doesn't want to go back into prison for breaking parole after he served 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread for his family. Valjean is a repentant man at this point, and he is seeking with God's help to do what is right. He becomes the mayor of a town. He also opens and owns a factory and becomes rather wealthy in the novel. Lady who's working in his factory, her name is Fantine. She is fired by the foreman of his factory because she has had a child out of wedlock. Valjean, upon hearing this news, is grieved and some instances down the road, he goes to Fantine and he says, uh, I will take care of your child. Fantine is about to die. And he whispers in her ear, he is so upset that she was fired from his factory because there was no love shown to her the same way love was shown to him. He says, I will take care of your child. And those of you who know the musical know that he basically pays for and adopts a little girl by the name of Cosette. He raises this girl until she is a, a young adult. They happen to be back in France, starvation and poverty at an all-time high. A rebellion is about to start. Uh, Cosette sees Marius. Marius is this young man, and it's a magical story. She falls in love at first sight. Valjean, knowing that Marius is part of the rebellion, goes back to assist him. He finds Marius has been shot. He later takes Marius and rescues him out of the war scene and takes him to a caregiver, the young man lives. Valjean reveals his identity to Marius. In the meanwhile, he is still being tracked by this parole officer time and time again. He doesn't want the little Cosette to know his status, and so he tells Marius, I must leave. I don't want this girl that I have raised as my daughter to ever know that I am this guy who stole a loaf of bread. Years later, Marius and Cosette are married. And through a set of circumstances, they find out where Valjean has fled to. And they find the older Valjean in a wheelchair about to die in a convent. And they come to Valjean, and the Cosette is begging her father, oh, please stay, you will live, you will live. And you have to understand the words are sung. She says, you will live, and he says, no, I will die. She begs him to stay, but as he takes his last breath, the personification of Cosette's mother appears as if she is leading him to the very gates of heaven. Valjean looks at the daughter that he has raised. He looks at Marius, who he has saved his life. He looks at Fantine, who he made this promise to rescue and care for her daughter. And as he is entering the very portals of heaven, he sees the image of Bishop Muriel, the one 
who loved him when nobody else would. And he says these words, looking at all of those that had played a part in his life, he says, to love another is to see the face of God. I began to weep, I'll be real honest, because I know the musical. I began to weep at that moment. But as I began to weep, I began to meditate on the face of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I asked you if I told you you could see the Savior's face, would you want to? And everyone in here basically agreed that they would want to. As I sat there with tears streaming down my face, I thought about our Lord and Savior who on the cross of Calvary, he looked out at the people with love and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then I, look at, I think about my Savior's face when he looked over at the thief and he said, Surely thou will be with me in paradise today. I think about my Savior's face when he looked out at the disciple whom he loved, John, in John chapter 19. And he says, Behold thy mother. And then he says, Behold thy son. And he's telling John, She shall become your mother. And I see the love of Jesus' face as he's looking on this scene. And then think in your mind's eye. Can you see his face? When he's got his arms stretched out and he cries out, it is finished. And I think in that moment, to love another is to see the face of God. In John chapter 13, if you guys will show it up there. Our Lord and Savior, after he had washed the disciples' feet, after he had given them an example that they should follow, he said these words. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Notice what he says in verse 35. By this, by this fact, by this exhibition by this outward expression of your love for me and your love for others he says by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one for another folks when the veneer has all been stripped away when it's all been wiped away all of our problems and all of our sins can be traced back I believe to one overarching problem and it's this one overarching problem our failure to agapao God and our failure to agapao our neighbors you see Jesus said love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart with all of thy soul with all of thy mind with all of thy strength and then he went on and he said love your neighbor as yourself the only question that you and I face this morning is what are we going to do with this truth are we going to continue to do things just as we are are we going to come before the Lord and seek forgiveness are we going to seek his help with loving him and loving others or are we just going to walk out these doors and say forget it I've heard enough about love today I'm going to live according to my ways and my will I pray that today your heart's desire would be God Help me to give myself completely. Agapao. Help me to give myself completely to loving you and to loving my neighbor. Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.